All right. Are we here? Are we here? Yes, I think we are here. All right. Well, Fritz Bergen, bloodandfaith.com. It's, uh, this is the after show. Welcome to the after show. Fritz Bergen, bloodandfaith.com. We did a Sunday morning sermon on Joshua. We finished up Joshua, Joshua 20 through 24. I'd encourage you to go and listen to that. It's You can see it at bloodandfaith.com or on my Podbean account, uh, fritzreport.podbean.com. I also want to mention that I am, am active on Gab, gab.com, and uh, my handle there is cybertext, C-Y-B-E-R-T-E-X-T. I know it's not my name. And it's not blood and faith, but that's where you're going to find me. And I post a bunch of crazy stuff up there. You know, uh, it's it's. I, I was never active on Twitter years ago. I had a Twitter account, and uh, I don't know. Gosh, they canceled me within you know the first couple months I was on there, and I don't even know what I said. This was years ago. It's probably something pro-white, probably something that was not uh, uh, against white people, and so they had to cancel me. And so, uh, and by the way, Getter Getter isn't any better. Getter's not better. Uh, I had an account on Getter, you know, when that thing started up. And uh, I tried to, you know, I, last time I posted there was November. And I tried to post there uh, a couple days ago. And it said, you've exceeded your um, <laughs> your posting quota for the day. You can't post anymore. I hadn't posted anything there from November, December, January, until February. I said, well, it must be an aberration. So I closed everything out, went there the next day, tried to do the same thing, got the same message, got the screenshot of it. Put it up on Gab because Getter won't let me post because, well, you know, you know why. There's a song. How's that song go? Well, you know why. Oh, it's the Rolling Stones. Oh, yeah, that was that was something else. Again, after show usually is a little less theological, but uh, today I'm going to get into the Book of Revelation, and uh, I know my evangelical compatriots out there look at the Revelation as a fourth telling of what's going to happen soon in the future. And that's a biblical way of looking at it. That's a way to look at it. Welcome, by the way, Jeremiah. We shall hang together or we shall hang separately. Yes, yes, indeed, that is true. And um, and look, I'm no expert at this. You know, there's a whole prophecy industry. There's a whole end times prophecy industry, and it's been going on for a long, long time. They keep stretching out because I guess they make money at it. Um, but back in the day, it used to be, oh, you know, it's it's the end of the world. It's it's happening any day now, any second now. And as young men, well, you know how young men are. We're just silly. But uh, we didn't want it to happen too quick. We wanted to go enjoy life a little bit. And here we are, old men, and people are still saying the same things. The way I look at the book of Revelation and the book of Daniel and much other many other places in the Holy Scripture, is that I look for things that I can understand. And I don't struggle with the things I can't, can't understand. I recognize there's some things I can't understand that, that, that my mind and heart is closed to. You don't always get to know what you want to know. And that's fine. I, I know too much already. I, I know too much already. I've understood too much out of the Scripture already. I can barely be responsible for what I already know, let alone for what I don't know. But my mind works that way. I said, I'm studying this stuff, and I'm looking at this stuff. And, and, and so I'm going to share with you some things that I think I do know. And one of the things I do stay away from is I don't say, well, you know, this is this person, and this is that country, and that is that nation. And this is where we are in the, in the scheme of things. I, I, I tend to stay away from that because I'll admit I don't, I don't get that. And I come from a point of view where I say, okay, 
here's a beast. What's a beast? There's a beast and it emerges out of the sea and rubble. You said the devil standing on the seashore. And out of the out of the ocean comes this beast. Well, what's a beast? Well, the Bible interprets the Bible. You know, and I think some of these people are looking around, well, it's the beast. It's got four legs and 19 horns and you know, it's got spots and it's got long hair and it's it's got, you know, dragon's breath. If you go back to the book of Daniel, the beasts are kingdoms, they're empires, they're world systems. Babylon, the Medes and the Persians, the Greeks and the Romans. That's what they are. And so when you're looking at the beast that comes up out of the sea, this is an empire that's emerging out of history. That's how I look at that. I was like, okay. I'm not looking for some animal that escaped from the zoo. Like, this is a world empire. And then when you look at the harlot, you look at the great whore. It's like, okay. What, what this, 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 this harlot, you know, and you, you can see pictures on the internet. It's just some, you know, skanky looking gal riding on the back of some beast and got a lot of lipstick on and a couple of earrings and whatnot. So, yeah, yeah, let's take a look at this. Well, who's the harlot? Well, you go back and, and you read the Holy Scriptures, you read the Bible, and it's very specific who the harlot is. And this is wayward Israel. This was apostate Israel. Go read Ezekiel. Oh, gosh, no. Now you're going to make me remember all this stuff. Jeremiah 2 and 3 and Ezekiel 16. It's very clear who the whore is and the mother of harlots is. It's this people that abandoned Jesus Christ. They turned away from Jesus Christ. Did all of them? No. There's always a, there's always a remnant. There's always a remnant. Jesus Christ came for that remnant. He came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Does a remnant remain today? Yeah, a remnant remains today. And it's not the people you think it is. It's not the people you think it is. It's not. When you've sold your soul to Satan, your soul is sold to Satan, and you become the synagogue of Satan. I got some ideas on that. I don't know if I'm going to go into that today. But I might. Hang on and find out. I'll find out. I don't even know if I'll go into it today. And so you got this person that was supposed to be a bride, but she's a whore. She's a harlot. She's a false wife. A false wife. And she ran off with the devil. Devil tried to get Eve. Devil tried to seduce Eve. Now again, this is the after show, okay? So I explore things, and I talk about things. Devil tried to run off with Eve, man. I'm telling you. Tried to steal Eve away from the bridegroom. That effort has never changed in history. Satan has always yearned for a partner in mankind to stand in rebellion against Jesus Christ. Not God, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and forever. He is the creator. All things that were created came about through Jesus Christ. That's why we worship Jesus Christ. If you worship Jesus Christ, you worship God. If you don't worship Jesus Christ, you don't worship God. So you got this, this persona. By the way, it's not an individual person. Holy Scriptures, and again, a lot of this is memory, so I'm not going through chapter and verse. She sits upon many waters. She sits upon many waters. She sits upon many nations. 
in time and in history. That false wife, that false bride is there throughout a good portion of history within many nations. You're looking for some skanky-looking gal, and it's like, no, no, no. Just like the harlot wasn't one person, it was the people that had sold their souls to Satan as, an, as a nation, as a people, as an identity. They become the synagogue of Satan. That's the harlot. That's the harlot. And the harlot sits on the beast. She rides the beast. What's the beast? It's a world empire. It's a kingdom. Roll back to the book of Daniel. There's four beasts, right? There's four beasts. <coughs> Last one's different from all the other ones. It's completely different. Well, how do you mean it's different? Look, I'm spitballing it here. But most empires, it's run by a Caesar. It's run by an emperor. It's run by a king. run by a monarch. Run by a dictator. What we got in the, going on in the world today is a beast that looks different. You can't tell who's in charge. It's called democracy. Our democracy. And there's this whole ideological movement to spread democracy around the world. And, you know, this is coming up in, 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 a, in a book I'm working on, but the illusion is that you have some say in how you're governed. But all that is an, is an illusion. That illusion grants the people that rule a degree of legitimacy. And if you under, understand that most of the things going on in the United States, we didn't vote for, or in Europe, or in Europe. Anybody vote for this war in Ukraine? No, nobody did. Nobody voted for the war in Ukraine. Does anybody vote to, to uh, uh, support the Ukrainians? No, the people never voted for that. Democracy is from demos, the people. Nobody voted for that, man. Nobody voted for that stuff. Nobody voted for a war in Ukraine. You get the whore riding the beast, controlling the beast, not the people down below. Who's the whore? It's the synagogue of Satan. The false wife that claims to be the chosen one, but she's not. She's hooked up with Satan who gave her the power and the wealth of the world. When Jesus Christ turned down Satan's offer to have all the glory of the world, another people took it up. Another people took it up. Satan gives them the power and the wealth and the glory, and, and they cause everybody to worship the beast. What's the number of the beast? The number of the beast is 666. Six, six. Well, what's that? The, the, the Bible says it's a human number. It doesn't, many translations say it's the number of a man, but I, I, you know, I'm no Greek scholar, but when I look at it in the Greek, it says it's, the, it's, it's a man number. It's a human number. But it's the number of the beast, not of some dude. It's, it's the, the Bible says it's the number of the beast. Well, I, I, what does that mean? Well, I'm, again, try it on for size. Try it on for size. Man was created the sixth day. Number six, a man. Two sixes, a man and a woman. Three sixes, corporate man. De democracy? Maybe. I don't know. I'm not. I'm just saying the fourth beast is different than all these other beasts that have gone before it. They're ruling the name of mankind. I'm talking out loud. 
I'm just talking. I'm, I'm, it's coming out of my brain, and I'm sharing it with you. We live in a Christian culture within the evangelical church. I don't mean in America at large. But within the evangelical church, there's this idea that somehow the end times are something that is going to happen. And my perspective is that most of these things have already happened, and the church has no idea, completely unaware. Completely unaware that there's a there's false prophets out there causing people to worship the beast. That there's a there, there's the great harlot that rides upon the beast. And 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 the beast and the harlot, the, the deceiver of the nations, literally deceives the whole world. I think we're far into it. I think we're way farther into it than the average evangelical says we are. And people are terrified of the beast. They're terrified of the beast. They're terrified of the whore. They don't want to speak against it because they're going to get into trouble. You're going to get the false prophets coming out. You're going to get the new Pharisees coming out. You're going to get the new scribes coming out. And they're going to call you your dirty names. You're racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, queerphobic, intolerant, divisive, is anti-Semitic, the unforgivable sin, anti-Semitic. Why is that the unforgivable sin? Because you're going after the synagogue of Satan. You're naming the synagogue of Satan. Therefore, it's unforgivable. They want to ever forgive you for that. Ever, ever, ever. There, Jesus had an unforgivable sin too. If you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that you, that will not be forgiven in this age and the next. Who, who blasphemed the Holy Spirit? The Talmud people did. On, on at least two counts. One on who was casting out the devils. In context, Jesus is very clear. He's out there casting out devils. And the Talmud people say, you're casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul. And Jesus Christ says, dude, man, you want to blaspheme me? That's fine. You blaspheme the Holy Spirit, that will never be forgiven in this age or the age to come. When I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, there ought to be a little fear there. There ought to be a lot of fear there. The unforgivable sin. What's the other major thing that Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit did? It caused the conception of Jesus Christ. What do the Talmud people say? Oh, Jesus is a bastard. He's a product of fornication. His dad was a Roman soldier. When it was the Holy Spirit that caused his conception. That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. That's my opinion. I mean, try it on for size. We're all looking. We're all trying to figure this stuff out. But you got a world empire. And, and, and the beast speaks blasphemy and arrogant words. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what that means. I'm glad you asked. God didn't create you. You're a byproduct of time and chance. That is blasphemy. These are, these are lies that are bigger than lies. That's what blasphemy is. Well, you're neither male nor female. You could be anything. God, that's blasphemy. My God, that's blasphemy. But don't spiritually... Call it slander. Let's use the term slander. Maybe that's a better term. Blasphemy sounds too religious. Oh, he's against blasphemy. And everybody laughs like, yeah, like religion matters. How about lies? How about slander and lies? How about arrogant words? God didn't create you. You're a byproduct in time and chance. You're self-existing. Arrogance, man. Our, our whole culture is founded on that arrogant word. That arrogant word. Um, this is why I say we're in the middle of this now. We're, it's not coming next week or next year, or next election cycle. We're living through it. We've been living through this. 
And good is called evil, and evil is called good. And we're living through this. And, and the church is largely gone. They're not even in the arena. They don't even see it. They don't even know what's going on. And they're sitting there waiting for the rapture. We're waiting for the rapture. Oh, God's going to rapture us any day. It's almost the end times. And they, they don't see it. They don't get it. They don't know. The beast is already there. The whore rides on the beast. The false prophets are out there saying, hey, worship the beast, man. This is the way. Walk ye in it. Arrogant words, blasphemies. You're a byproduct of time and chance. You're neither male nor female. You could be anything. Directed evolution is where we're at today. We're there today. We're there today. There's no difference between a man and, 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 and a woman. There's no difference between a man and a beast. There's no boundaries. This is blasphemy. No boundaries is blasphemy. And, and that extends not just to the geographical space, but it tends to the genetic and biological space as well. Remember, last days be as, as in the days of Noah. What happened in the days of Noah? You had, I know, I know, you don't hear this in evangelical churches, but you had the watchers come down. The sons of God. You say, well, that's the sons of Seth. No, no, it's not. It was the angels. Go read the book of Job and read about the sons of God. Go read the book of Job, first chapter, first couple chapters of Job. A day came about when all the sons of God had to show up. There's going to be a confab. We're going to have a little conference. I'm going to ch chat with you all. And the sons of God showed up. Who's there? Jesus Christ is there. It says the Lord was there, and God was there, and the Lord was there. It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the region of God. He's the region of, he is the representative of all the fullness of God. The Godhead dwells in Jesus Christ bodily. So Jesus Christ shows up. And all the angels had to show up. They didn't have a choice. They had to show up. So when the Bible says, and Satan was there as well, Satan had no choice. He's also a fallen angel. He's also an angelic being. He didn't have a choice. He had to be there. When the Almighty says, hey, everybody show up, 1030, be there on time. They had to come. They didn't have a choice. It's called the sons of God. I think Elohim in the Hebrew. Angelic beings. I mean, it's very clear these are angelic beings. Very clear. Okay, and those were the ones that came down, some of them, some portion of them, and chose whatever woman they want. Married, non-married. I'm sure they chose the most beautiful women. Mated with the women. Gave offspring to the giants of old. Anak. Rephium. Corrupted the genetic line. Corrupted the genetic line. Anyway, that, that goes to the whole idea of, 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 of Satan seeking a partner in mankind. No borders. Remember, they transgress the boundaries. Jude talks about this. They transgress the eternal boundaries. They transgress boundaries. And the world today is about transgressing boundaries. Genetic boundaries, biological boundaries, geographic boundaries, moral boundaries. The Almighty is very clear. You don't transgress these boundaries. Kinds reproduce after their own kind only. He put Adam and Eve in a garden. It had boundaries. The garden had boundaries. He says, you're going to be in the garden. Not out of the garden. You're going to be in the garden. And then when they sinned, he cast them out of the garden. Put an armed border guard there. Borders and boundaries are biblical. They're godly. Oh, but that's racist and xenophobic. 
All those terms are, are designed by Satan and his seed to accuse Jesus Christ. Yes, they're cudgels of guilt and shame to beat you into submission, to enslave you. That is very true. And at the end of the day, they're going to be turned and used against Jesus Christ. I mean, look at all the things that I teach. Look at all the things I say. What do they say about Fritz? He's a racist and he's anti-Semitic. And my response is, that's not my morality. Those are illegitimate terms invented by the synagogue of Satan, the, the Talmud people, to, to advance their own interests. A Jewish man named Trotsky invented the term racist 100 years ago. I don't know when the term anti-Semitism came in, but it, it's, it's a joke as well. It's not like these people are Semites. Their ancestors converted. They were Euro European peoples converted to uh, uh, Talmud, converted to Satan worship. Look up, look, go look up Kazaria. So you got this revelation. You got the woman, and she says, I sit, on, I sit up here. I'm, nobody's going to touch me. I'm good. I'm above it all. I'm above it all, baby. And I got wealth and riches, and it'll never end. Until it does. And then the, and then the Scripture's revelation, it talks about the, these men that are f unspeakably wealthy, fabulously wealthy, fabulously wealthy. And I think of Bezos and Gates and Larry Fink and the Rothschilds and these men that are billionaires many times over, Elon Musk. Men we know of and men we don't know of. There's men out there we don't know of. It's funny how they don't put any bankers up there as billionaires. Goes with the theme of you try to, they try to hide. Try to hide, try to pretend they're not even there so people don't get all upset about it. So that's how I'm understanding the Revelation. Of course, the Revelation starts off with... Uh, it starts off with uh, Jesus' letters to the churches. Oh, let's talk about that. So Jesus says, okay, here's the letter to this church. And, and there's seven churches there. Guess where these churches are? They're all in Europe. No, they're not. They're in Asia Minor. 2,000 years ago, that was Europe. They were all European colonies, Greek and Roman colonies. You say, oh, that's Turkey. They're all Muslims. No, no, no. The Muslim Islam didn't exist 2,000 years ago. Didn't exist. All of Asia Minor... The most of Asia, we know is Asia Minor today, is called Anatolia, which means the land to the east towards the rising of the sun. It's a Greek, Roman colonies, European peoples. Paul's letter to the Galatians were Gauls, they're Celts. And the seven churches in the book of Revelation, they're all right on the western edge of Anatolia, the western edge of Asia Minor. And they're all colonies of, of, of Greece and Rome. They're European peoples. And when Jesus Christ speaks to him, he speaks Greek. He doesn't speak Hebrew. He doesn't speak Aramaic. He's speaking Greek. He says, I am the Alpha and Omega. Well, what do you mean? Well, he could have said, there's, there's, there's Hebrew letters. There's, there's two Hebrew words that are equivalent of A and Z for the Hebrew Aleph and something else. He could have said that. He could have said, I'm the Aleph and the whatever the last uh, letter in the Hebrew. He could have, but he didn't. He used g Greek. Is that significant? Well, is the Bible significant? I'd say it's 
awfully significant. I'd also say it's awfully significant that he spoke to the seven churches, and they're all European churches. Every one of them was a European church. He didn't speak to the church in Jerusalem. Well, isn't he kind of xenophobic? Isn't that ethnocentric? Isn't he uh, Eurocentric? Yes, he is. <laughs> Actually, yes, you're right. He is. He is Eurocentric. Jesus Christ is Eurocentric. And I've talked about that. I've blogged about that. I've written about that. So he speaks Greek, and he's speaking to these European churches. He speaks in European language. And one of the things he makes very clear, he talks about these people who call themselves Jews. He, he talks about it to two different churches. He talks about it to uh, Smyrna, and I forget the other one. One's in Revelation 2, and the other's in Revelation 3. Again, this is I'm not going through line by line. And he, and he, you know, this is in, I think John wrote this in 95 AD. It's, it's 25 years after the destruction of Jerusalem. When Jerusalem was destroyed in, in, in 70 AD, the temple's gone. The Sadducees and the chief priests and the priestly class literally disappear from history. They're gone. And the people that were left in Jerusalem, they, they, they were gone. They, they, they went places. And they took with them their oral traditions. And after several centuries, they wrote down their oral traditions. And that's the Talmud of today. That's the Talmud of today. Their oral traditions. It's not the Torah. Christians are like, oh, they have the Torah too. That's like saying, you know, the Mormons uh, believe in the same God we do because they, you know, respect the Bible. They got their Book of Mormon that interprets the Bible. That's their that's their real Bible, all right. And so you've got the, the the Talmud people. Their religion's the Talmud. It's Talmudism. It's not the Torah. And Jesus Christ makes it very very clear over and over and over and over. He makes it very clear. He says, "You all abandoned what Moses said. You abandoned what Moses said." So anyway, back to the Book of Revelation. So Jesus says to him, hey, "Look, these people that call themselves Jews—they're not Jews. They're not. They're fake Jews. They're liars. They're of the synagogue of Satan." He says that in Revelation two nine and Revelation three nine. You want me to prove it to you? All right, let me read it to you. I generally read out of the New American Standard. Uh, it's in some ways it's really good, and sometimes I'll go somewhere else. Sometimes it's a little stilted. Uh, for my taste, but I like it. I like King James too. I don't like the New American Standard. Revelation 2.9. He's talking to the church of Smyrna. I know your tribulations and your poverty, but you're rich. And the blasphemy... There we go. There's that word again. you got to pay attention to this. The blasphemy. Remember at the end, we got the beast full of blasphemy? Well, here you go. Here's the blasphemy. The blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. How come that's not painted on the front of every church in America? They have John 3.16 out there because it's inoffensive. Nobody's offended by John 3.16. That's why they use it. Oh, but you have to be born again. Yes, you do have to be born again. Yes, it's absolutely true that you have to be born again. I, I completely agree with that. And you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and publicly declare your loyalty to Jesus Christ. How do you declare your loyalty to Jesus Christ? How about saying the words he said and being proud of them? Mark 8, 38, warning. Don't be ashamed of what Jesus said. And when Jesus Christ goes to the church, he says, blessed are those who are not offended because of me or my words. Man, you got to pay attention to that. All right, so here's one of the things that offend Judeo-Christians, let alone Jews. He says, I know your tribulation, your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich. And the blasphemy... 
by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. I can write a book on this one verse, Revelation 2.9. Okay? First of all, blasphemy. And correlate this blasphemy here with the blasphemy of the whore and the blasphemy of the beast. It's the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews, but they're not. They're not Jews. They're of the synagogue of Satan, says Jesus Christ. Oh, I never heard that before. I heard a chosen people of God. Jesus Christ says this. I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews, but are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Revelation 3.9. Church of to the Church of Philadelphia. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan, the synagogue of Satan, who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Oh my God! Why is that not written in the front of every church? How come that's not written right on the front of your 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 pulpit there? I'd love that. You go into church and Revelation three nine is right emblazoned in the front of it. You can't get your eyes off of it. If I ever get a chance, I'm going to do that. I'm going to print out a big old. 36 by 48 whiteboard and tack it right to the front of a pulpit. And it's going to say this. And they're going to have to stare at it the whole time, the whole sermon. They're going to have to stare at this. It's going to say this. I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews, but are not, but lie. I will make them come down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Okay, what do you have today? You have the church bowing down at their feet and groveling before their feet. There's something wrong, man. It's an inversion. You got the evangelical church bowing down, come and bow down at their feet and make them know that I have loved you. Okay, the church has it completely inverted. They have a, a Revelation 3 9 completely inverted. And the, the evangelical church is saying that, 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 you know, everybody needs to bow down before the Jews because God loves them. This is, it's an inversion of Revelation 3 9, an absolute inversion of Revelation 3 9 is what we've got going on today. And the church won't see it. Doesn't have eyes to see, doesn't have ear to hear, ears to hear. Refuse to see it. Part of it's unbelief, part of it's blindness. But it's right there in, in the, in, I was going to say in black and white, but it's in red and white. Those of you that are red letter Christians, I knew so many years ago, I would say, oh, I you know, just got to read your head, read your head. Well, this is the red. This is the red. This is the red. I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not but lie. Jesus Christ says, they're not Jews, they're liars. They're of the synagogue of Satan. Man, paint that on your pulpit, baby. Put it up on the big board. Put it up on the, on the screen before and after the service. Just let it sit there and sink into the church. But the church has gone off, on, and there's man-made traditions, and they follow these charlatans out there. That, that speak lies, false prophets, causing people to worship the beast and the whore. Oh, you know, God's true. No, no. They call themselves Jews, but they're not, and they lie, and they're of Satan's synagogue. This is the, this is the, this is the final word. This is the, the bottom line. This is the bottom line of what Jesus Christ says about those who call themselves Jews. This is the bottom line of what Jesus Christ said. Why does the church dispute Jesus Christ? Why is the church ashamed of Jesus Christ? Why is the church offended by what Jesus Christ said? Jesus warned, we warned the church. He said, blessed are those who aren't offended by what I said. This is what he said. Revelation 13. And the dragon stood on the sand of the seashore. The beast came out of the sea 
and that's got seven heads of ten hordes. And, and and you know we can go into that, but you you you, you know it's seven heads of ten horns. And who's riding on that beast? The whore is. So here's a world empire that the whore is riding on. Who's the whore? It's apostate people that have linked themselves with Satan, acquired all the wealth and the riches because they've sold their souls to Satan as a corporate body. Again, the Holy Scriptures are not just about your individual commitment to Jesus Christ. It's about nations and races and bloodlines and who they're loyal to. You cannot escape that. The church has abandoned that idea. It completely agrees with Satan and tries to atomize each human being. And that, now Satan's to the point where he's going to de-atomize human beings. Well, you're not even a male or a female. Race is a social construct. You might be homosexual, you might be lesbian, you might be a whole mix of everything in between. Transgression of borders and boundaries. And the church is like, standing there, just doesn't know what to do. Trying to get raptured because they can't figure this out. It's right here in black and white, if you will read it and not be offended by what Jesus Christ said. Alright, what does Satan do? He makes war with the children of God. Okay, what do you think his bride does? He makes war with the children of God. Here is, the, here is wisdom. Let him calculate the number of the beast. It's, it's the number of who? The beast. It's not the number of the name. It's the number of the beast. This is Revelation 13, 8. Here is wisdom. Let the, him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast. The number of the beast. This is New American Standard. Then it goes on, for the number is that of a man. That little A in there, number of a man. Meant, you know, all, most translations use it, but not all of them. Look at the Greek, it says arithmos anthropoi. Some translate it, it's a human number. And the number is 666, 666. All right, so we move along and we go up here to, again, I'm just throwing out concepts for you. I'm throwing out concepts so you can, you can understand it. Uh, Revelation 17. He carried Mary in the spirit in the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names. There we go. There we, there you go. The blasphemy of the Jews, and now we've got this one full of blasphemous names. Woman's clothed in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations, the unclean things of her immorality. For on her forehead is a name written, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and the abominations of the earth. All right, go read Ezekiel 16. Now compare this to Ezekiel 16. Okay, so the whore and Babylon are the same thing. Same thing. All right, and then he said to me, he said to me, the waters which you saw where the harlot sits are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. Again, many peoples, many nations, many tongues. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Bad things are going to happen to you. Oh, and then Jesus Christ warns. He warns. Let's see, 18 verse 4. I heard another voice from heaven. Come out of her, my people. Come out of her, my people, so that you will not participate in her sins or receive her plagues. For her sins have piled up high against heaven, and God has remembered her iniquity. Pay her back even if she has paid, and give her back double according to her deeds. So that's that's how I look at Revelation. And in this whole business of pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, 
I, I, for me, it's a distraction. For me, it's a complete distraction. And when people say, oh, he's going to save you from the hour of trial, I'm sorry. I think that's the same thing. That when you, when you, that's like looking at Galatians 3.28 and saying, well, there's no male or female. No, there is male and female. There is. You're taking it all wrong. And people say, well, rescue from the hour of trial. Tell that to Jesus Christ. Come on, man. Tell that to Jesus Christ. Did, did God rescue Jesus Christ from the hour of trial? No, he didn't. Why should he rescue you? Don't you know it's an honor to suffer? Don't you know what the apostles said? Don't you know they came out rejoicing when they were beaten for, for the name of Jesus Christ? Don't you know that they, if, if you said God's going to rescue you from the hour of your trial, they would have looked at you and slapped you in the face. Don't you dare take that honor away from me. Don't you dare take out the honor of suffering from Jesus Christ for me. And you're being sold a, a, a bill of goods. God's going to rescue you from the hour of trial. Why on God's name do you want to be rescued from the hour of trial? How do you think you're going to get your gold? He warns him. He says, listen, man, you need to buy gold from me. Refined gold, refined in the fire. How are you going to do that if you don't go through the fire? How are you going to do that if you don't go through the hour of tribulation? We're being sold a bill of goods. Oh, God's going to rescue you from the hour of temptation, the hour of trial. No, he's not. No, he's not. It's an honor to go through the tribulation. Go read the scriptures. Go read the, 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 the Bible. It says we're, we're in the tribulation. Been in tribulation for 2,000 years. It's, all, it's going ongoing. Your life is a tribulation. Don't tell me it's not. If your life is not a tribulation, <laughs> you need to like say, what's going on, God? If, if your feet are bathed in butter, there's a problem. If you go through life and everything is just wonderful, there's a problem. Now, you can go look at the rich people, and you just go, my God, how did that happen? Their, their feet are bathed in butter. They're rich, and everything just seems to go fine for them. Well, you go try to serve Jesus Christ and see what kind of tribulations you get. Peter said, rejoice, man, rejoice. Good God, rejoice when you encounter various trials. Rejoice. If people are trying to sell you a bill of goods where you get out of the trials or the hour of your tribulation, why would you have somebody steal gold from you? Why would you let them steal that gold from you? How are you going to get that gold? You go through fire, man. You go through trials. And if God's got trials coming out of the earth, you want to say, bring bring it. I want to be right in the middle of that trial. How do you overcome the evil one? By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of your testimony, and not loving your lives, even unto death. Even unto death. Don't tell me you're not supposed to have in, be in a tribulation or be in the trials. I think one of the biggest... I don't know, problems, issues, the scary thing. For me, it's a scary thing, is that people go along and they think everything's fine and it's not. And I guess that's where you can, you know, you look at the, you know, the, the, the letters of Jesus Christ to the churches and he says, look, you think you're rich, but you're poor. I advise you to buy gold from me. How do you buy that gold? You got to go through some trials, man. And, you, and, and, and if you're serving God, if you're saying the things you're supposed to be saying, if you're being loyal to him, trial, God will send you trials. He'll bring them to you. You don't got to go create some for yourself. It, they'll come. Don't worry. They'll come. But if you're if you're coasting along through life and everything's fine, uh, I I would it would it would make me nervous. I love it when the people that hated Jesus Christ hate me. I love it. Ah, oh, thank God they hate me. 
I'd, I'd be in a terrible position if the people that hated Jesus Christ thought I was a good guy. That'd be a terrible position to be in. Speaking about loose women and prostitutes and whores and adulterers, go read James 4.4. 4. He said, don't love the world, you adulteress. You just linked yourself to the great whore when you're an adulteress. You love the world. You love to be loved by the world. Anyway, those are my thoughts. Those are my thoughts on the book of Revelation. And uh, Fritz Bergen, bloodandfaith.com. This is has been the after show.